Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Uh, we'll get to the frenzy here in a second. You know, we were just talking some college basketball, and we mentioned that Mbake Jong, the former, not yet, but UNLV center who put in his time with UNLV four years. You know, Re- Rebs have a chance to be a, a solid team, a good team, but I think as a super senior, Mbake wants to go somewhere and win and potentially get to the NCAA tournament. So his list includes, he's pared it down to Utah, Central Florida and Florida State, and you said there were some smart Alex up on social media who were ripping them. Oh, of course. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna pull this up for you really quickly. Uh, can someone? Somebody asks. Uh, can somebody tell me who this is? If he's any good, six eleven, ton of effort, can't make a layup, has cinder blocks for hands. Oh, he'll fit right in at FSU. Then he won't get off the bench. Uh, let's say he said he wanted to go somewhere to win. Has UCF and Utah in his final three. They call him Ding Dong for a reason. Um, let's see. We That's can go ridiculous. There. Yeah. Fans, and it happens everywhere. Believe me, it happens everywhere. Uh, we're going to talk to Dana Altman later on, the head coach at Oregon. I mean, now regarded as a top ten coach in all of college basketball. Um, we're going to talk some Lon Kruger. You know, he's buddies with Lon Kruger. He followed Lon Kruger at Kansas State. And at Kansas State, Lon was a legend, you know, playing and coaching. Altman goes in there, coaches for four years, goes 68-54. and 54. They blow him out. They blew him out at Kansas State. Yep. Think about that. Think about who Dana Altman is now. And they're like, not good enough. He goes on to Creighton, goes uh, 327 and 126, and now look what he's done at Oregon. So, you know, the lack of gratitude sometimes and the impatience is just com- it is completely ridiculous. <laughs> Football frenzy time. We're going to talk to Stanford Route in about 15 minutes here, former Oakland Raider, about a myriad of topics around the National Football League, including what happened in the draft and Maybe there's some teams out there that blew it in terms of making their pick instead of trading back. But that's coming up. A lot of questions. A lot of questions. I think some teams did make some mistakes in the selections they made. Were the Raiders one of them taking Alex Leatherwood at 17? Because I haven't really seen many people come to their defense, and I'm talking about people around the league, whether it's you know with their name slapped on the quote or not. There's still a lot of confusion on why Leatherwood was taken. We had Jim Nagy on, who's the head of the Senior Bowl, uh, the other day, and we were asking him about the position in the draft. Like, was number 17, is that where you need to take Leatherwood? Could they have traded back? Uh, you know, what, was he really going to go 35 or 40 or 45? The Leatherwood pick, my only point there is that people thought it was a reach and it wasn't a reach uh, because I, I talked to three teams in the league that were picking after the Raiders between 20 and 32 that had Alex in the first round. A lot of teams had him in the first round, and he, and he would have gone in the first round had the, had the Raiders not taken him. So, like, a reach is when you go up over a round. Like, when you're talking in the NFL, if, if it's like an upset if someone takes a guy two rounds higher than you had him on your board or two rounds lower, um, that's a reach. So, I mean, to be within, like, a couple picks, that's certainly not a reach. Okay. You buy it? I mean, I mean, do we really know? Because this is what I warn people. Every year, mock drafts become this Bible that everyone ascribes to, and most mock drafts are just cannibalized from others. Right. No, I mean, look, I don't think we'll ever really know. There, I mean, 
there could have been three teams that had him in the first round. But what it, we could also, like, what does that mean? Did they expect him to go in the first round, or did that mean they would have actually drafted him in the first round? Right? Like, that, those are two completely different things in terms of the way that they evaluated him where he was going to be. And you're right. Like, the mock draft thing is, it's, I think it's fair to an extent to classify some of these guys as reaches. And, look, I will always go back to this when it comes to Leatherwood. If Mike Mayock comes out and says, we knew it was going to be a controversial pick, they had some sense that he might have been available a little bit later. The only reason that's a controversial pick outside of where he was selected is there's something that everybody knows that we don't about, like, off-field stuff, which don't think that's true. So Mayock knew it was going to be a reach. Uh, the other question is, right tackle or right guard? Seems tough to stomach taking a right guard at number 17. Former offensive lineman at Auburn and a guy who covered Leatherwood for the SEC Network and ESPN. Cole Kublik was on with us yesterday talking about, is this guy a tackle or a guard? He kind of had to wait his turn to be a tackle, but I just kept thinking to myself, I mean, this guy's wingspan looks like it's nine feet. Like, what, what are you going to do at guard? He just he seemed too long to be a guard. And even though he was successful playing it, I never really saw that as sort of a long-term solution for him. I always viewed him as a tackle in the NFL. He has good enough lateral movement. He's got good enough feet. He's got a great punch. I, I never looked at him and said, Oh no! This is a guy that can't be a tackle in the NFL. He needs to move down to guard. And that's good. I think I would agree with you for the most. I mean, look, a lot of people were kind of surprised. I know that maybe you could have liked the selection, but I think a lot of people were kind of surprised that the Jets moved up to draft an interior lineman for the most part, right? And, and Elijah Barrett Tucker. So when you're not only potentially reaching on a prospect, but that prospect is also going to be an interior lineman, that's where there's a lot of head scratching. But it does seem that he is going to be good enough to play along at the right side and right tackle. Now, there are others around the league. Uh, the Athletic had a, a real good story dealing with uh, execs unfiltered, as the story says, and there were a lot of unnamed executives who looked at the Raiders draft and are like, they, they still don't get it with the value. Mm-hmm. Well, because there is a sense, because, like, right, there is – There is something to be said of, do the Raiders deserve credit for saying, screw this, we have our guys, we're going to go pick them, right? But again, when you're openly admitting that you know that that's probably where it's a little bit of a controversial spot to pick them, then you're openly admitting that you're kind of flaunting the whole play in the game. But the controversial thing, I think, was more in reference to, Mayock said they had uh, one of the draft shows on, and they, they they saw the reaction. And then they, at that point, they're like, all right, you know, we know it was a controversial pick. Oh, in terms of the laughter, right, yeah. like right afterwards. Right. But I'll say this, like, I think there was a report that it was, like, the Minnesota Vikings that were potentially a team huh? that was looking at Leatherwood. But, like, if that's the case, why would they trade down, right? Like, if Leatherwood was one of – if the Minnesota Vikings were one of the teams that thought Leatherwood was a first-round selection – Right. They clearly thought he was a back end of the first round selection. If they were, if they well, were they, looking the, at him, um, they could trade back, knowing that they had both Leatherwood and Darrisaw near each other, and they would take one or the other. And if Leatherwood wasn't there, Darrisaw was the pick. I mean, and Nagy seemed to suggest that it was, it was the Vikings and the Ravens were two of the teams that could have taken him. But then, I mean, the the weird one with the Ravens is, uh, maybe they had the first four tackles as Sewell and Slater and Leatherwood and Darrisaw, and then they had they came up. Because of a trade, they came up with two picks, two first-round picks. You know, they had the Chiefs pick. They had two first-round picks, and then they didn't take an offensive right. lineman, but they were going to take one. Right. But they had two picks. They didn't take one. Right. Once the, I get, I, that could be the argument. Uh, 
One interesting quote from an unnamed, ex- uh, unnamed executive in this story uh, says, the Raiders continue to have some of the most baffling drafts I've ever seen. They took uh, The guy they took at 17 is no different than them taking Furl fourth or Arnett 19th last year. If you have a head coach making that decision or guys who don't know the league, you misinterpret value. Mm-hmm. You can like players, but you're not capitalizing on value when you take them above their grade. And then the other one he pointed out, or she, who knows, unnamed exec. Then they take three safeties. Well, safety is a very much affordable position in free agency. It's about understanding the process and the strategy of building a roster more than just acquiring talent. That's fair. And look, and when it comes to like understanding value too, when it, like with a guy like Leatherwood, for again example, if he wasn't going to go in the first round, but you really like him or the back end of the first round. That's a selection where you can trade back, acquire assets, and still get your guy, right? So if you loved Leatherwood, there was still it looked like a universe where you could have traded back some spots, whatever it was going to be, and still go ahead and grab the dude that you thought. So not only are you adding a position and a guy that you think is very much worth it, you're also adding capital on top of that, whether it's going to be you know third pick, fourth you know fourth round pick, whatever it is. And that's the whole point of value in playing the draft, and it just doesn't seem like at times that they really understand that concept. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. All right, back here at TI Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Stanford Route is with us, former Oakland Raider. We talk football every week. Stanford, what's up? Guys, what's going on? Happy to be back on with you. Uh, we're thrilled, man. We're good. We're hanging out uh, near the Strip. I hope everything is good in uh, in Houston. And I actually wanted to start off on an offbeat topic, and that is uh, sprinting. Uh, you have a background, man. You were an elite guy <laughs> when it came to track. Uh, I want you to tell people about what's going on with DK Metcalf. Uh, he's got to run a super fast 100 time, and uh, then he's got a chance to get into the U.S. Olympic team mix. This is pretty cool. Yes, yes, it is uh, definitely. I saw that a couple of days ago. Something that was a little bit uh, eye popping, and I love that for him because obviously having a Pro Bowl season, being a second round pick two years ago, he's expanding his horizon. He's flapping his wings, so to speak. And if he wants to go out there and try to compete for the Olympics in 2021, I don't, I don't see anything, uh, anything wrong with it if he is mentally and physically up to speed with what it's going to take as far as the dedication and the energy it's going to take mentally to go ahead and try to accomplish that feat. Steve, uh, Stanford, Adam and I were talking about this the other day where is it changed much? Obviously the pads are a big difference, but the cleats from like running with actual running shoes, does that decrease, increase speed, like the difference, the traction you get with cleats? Is there any change there for a runner? <laughs> I can tell by that question, you don't really have too much of a background when it comes to running track, right or wrong. Oh, track? No, yeah, you know. <laughs> no, so I think uh, it's, 
I mean, obviously, when you take the pads off, uh, you're able to go ahead and move a little bit more free. That's number one. We all know that. On the track, you're actually able to gain more traction with your track spikes than you probably would be with uh, with cleats on a football field or field turf or anything like that. I think the biggest thing about all of this for DK Metcalf, and while I support any football player, especially a somebody who's playing at an elite level like he did last season, I support any of them doing that. Now, the biggest point is he has not ran track since high school. He did not run track at Ole Miss. So he's going to be now entering a jungle of something that he knows nothing about, or at least hasn't since high school. And now with this, because imagine running from the goal line to the end of the opposite end zone. That's how far 100 meters is. Now, I'd be more comfortable if we saw him running the 60-meter dash, something like that. And we all know for football players, it's all about the 40-yard dash. Well, guess what? Go ahead and basically multiply that times three. That's what he's going to be running. And he's going to be doing it at, in a, at, a, at a distance that he has not run since high school. And, oh, yeah, he's going to be running against elite professionals who – they go and they wake up every morning and they're training at their profession like he does at his profession so they can be the best. That right thing that right there is where it's gonna uh where it's gonna end lie the rub is is he going to be able to compete at that high of a level and also be able to do that without incurring some sort of an injury. Your best in the hundred was what? My best in the hundred was ten three nine. I want to say that was okay. my junior year of college. So uh, needless to say, the hundred was never really my uh, my best event. Metcalf has he has to run a ten point zero five, which is incredibly fast. Your best was what the two hundred? Yes, the two hundred meter dash twenty point oh three was my best time. Um, and you know, just like what you just said, uh, Steve, ten oh five to me. I'm looking at this more from the standpoint of how was he going to place. How well does he perform less than the 10.05? The 10.05, that's, that's difficult. That's difficult for guys who have been training at this their whole life, not somebody who wanted to do it in high school, skip it in college, focus on football, become a high NFL draft pick, become a pro bowler, and then all of a sudden in 2021, 2020, decide, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and kind of, you know, give that a run for my money. Or just Let me go ahead and just test the waters a little bit. So I'm more interested in seeing how is he going to place against these other top-notch sprinters and less about the time that he's going to cross the finish line with. Yeah, I saw Ronaldo Nehemiah who played in the NFL and was a you know world-class hurdler basically said, uh, you know, with all respect to DK, he's got no shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, no I, completely, I, I completely agree with that. I don't yeah. think that we're going to see DK Metcalf run at 10.01, or 10.03, or 10.04, something like that. I'm more interested in seeing how is he going to place. And also, for his benefit, because I ran track in college, because I ran track in high school at a high level, because I also ran at the Olympic trials going into my senior year on the football field at University of Houston, I know what that type of pressure, what that type of atmosphere is like. And in those types of situations, for being a football guy who stepped onto the track, I also know that if you are not in complete Track and field shape, endurance, training, everything like that, and also the mental aspect. It is very easy to go ahead and accrue an injury because you're running at a speed. You're running at a rate that you're not used to running at on the football field. 
that right there is my biggest concern is the safety factor of it when, uh, whenever he steps into the box on Sunday afternoon. Stanford out. We're talking about uh, DK Metcalf at, uh, I think it's like uh, 3.30 our time in California. He's going to be running uh, 17 yeah. competitors in the, uh, the 100 trials. All right, let's get to the NFL, uh, specifically the NFL. Uh, I thought this was interesting. The, uh, the Bills GM, Brandon Bean, was talking about the vaccine and getting back to normal, especially, you know, in July and August. What do you think of him saying that uh, he may have to cut guys who, you know, haven't gotten the vaccine? I saw that earlier, and I've been thinking about that. And I think from an American standpoint, from a citizen of the United States, well, where the hell does he get off basically telling somebody that they have to get vaccinated? Some people choose not to do it. I'm not one of those people. I've already been vaccinated. But to tell somebody, hey, this is what you have to do, that seems a little bit extreme to me. But also I have to take a step back and I have to look at it from a different angle. As a citizen of the United States, you have a right to bear arms, freedom of speech, Obviously, you're innocent until proven guilty, things like that. But you don't have just the outright freedom to just enter into a stadium and not have to abide by those rules. Same thing for playing for an NFL team. Because being in the NFL is not the same right that you have to be an American. No, uh uh-uh. It's a league that you play in. So the same way up until recently, up until about a year ago, where you couldn't do drugs, you couldn't smoke marijuana, if you want to be an NFL player without getting punished or whatever, it's the same thing. If you want to be a part of a certain group, a league, something like that, you have to abide by said rules that the commissioner, GM, whomever, puts in front of you because guess what? You don't have to be a part of this league. It's a privilege, not a right. So when I look at it from that same standpoint that was told to me so many times when I was playing for the Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders and other teams, that's where I pretty much come out with it that I think that it's pretty extreme when you look at it from the American citizen standpoint. But also when you know that it's not a right, it's a privilege to either A, play for an NFL team, or also B, if you want to attend an NFL game in a stadium, you have to abide by whoever the lawmakers, the rule makers, whoever owns that stadium, you have to abide by what they say, their standards. Otherwise, you just simply don't have to enter their stadium. You can go and do something else or whatever. You don't have to come and watch the game. So uh, I think that whoever sets the rules, you pretty much have to abide by them because, once again, it is not a right; it's a privilege. But Stanford, like when it comes to the like the bills, right? And the hey, we might cut players if they're not going to be vaccinated. Okay, Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, we're not getting vaccinated. Like it's just such a toothless, I think, a warning because like you're really going to go. All right, sorry. Well, it's been a good run, Josh, but we'll see you later. Well, see, I, I think obviously when you know you put those guys <laughs> into the mix, that's gonna that's gonna muddy the water a little bit. But I think that <clears throat> I think for 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 where he's coming from is. He's frustrated. Mm -hmm. He remembers how last season, how games were being postponed, and sometimes we can't practice because somebody tested positive and the contact tracing and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
I think he's looking at it more from that standpoint. But also at the same time, you know, for, for, the, for the majority, the majority of players are probably going to go ahead and just lean on the other side of getting vaccinated. That way they don't have to go through every day when they walk through the front door having to deal with testing and this and that and et cetera, et cetera. I think most players probably will lean on the side of getting vaccinated. So they don't have to deal with this nonsense on a day-to-day basis. Now, some players, they may choose not to get vaccinated. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And I raise, and I raise you guys this same question, or should I say this same scenario. You have a stud player in the NFL draft who, let's say he just got drafted top ten overall, whatever. And he decides, well, you know what? Um, there's a certain narcotic or there's a certain performance-enhancing drug that I want to take. And you know what? The NFL doesn't allow that. That's not on the acceptable, the accepted uh, substance list. It's on the banned substance list. And he says, well, you know, I'm just simply not going to play football for said team that drafted me if I can't take whatever substance I, I want that yeah. happens to be on the banned substance list. What would you guys say about that player who's mm-hmm. taking that stance rather than just falling in line? Yep. Stamper out is with us. All right, I got to get your take on Jawan James going down away from the facility with the Broncos, starting right tackle, probably out for the year with an Achilles. And now we get this issue of, you know, the teams versus the Players Association. Are you going to pay this guy or not? And this whole deal that's been brewing, you know, the last month or so with the NFLPA not wanting players to go uh, into the facilities because of COVID. Yeah, I think that uh, this situation right here is very unfortunate because Jawan James, from everything I understand, he was – working out, preparing for this coming season. I think that teams need to have a certain level of discretion. I remember back in my years for playing for the Oakland Raiders, now obviously the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, if you're playing basketball in the offseason or you're doing something like that and you get hurt, then you know what? The, the, it didn't happen on our, on our watch. It didn't happen on our property. We may not go ahead and pay your salary this year. I think that should probably come into an come into effect in that situation but if, if it, but in this come on, in this pandemic in this climate everything has to be changed everything has to be modified everything has to be fluid in this type of setting and if it's a situation where a player is away from the facility because the nflpa suggested it and you can prove or there's some sort of evidence that he actually was that he got hurt while training for football while training, doing things on doing the right thing, not over there, like I said, bungee jumping or, you know, skydiving or something like that, then I think the NFL team should honor that simply because in this type of situation, if it wasn't a pandemic, he probably would have been at the facility working out for your team. So I think there has has to be a certain level of discretion that uh, that comes into play right here. Let's put COVID aside, too. As a former player, what's your opinion on having – you know, all the different camps. Because some of the older players are like, what is the freaking point? We didn't have to do all the stuff last year. We weren't around each other as much, and it seemed to work out just fine. And I'll tell you, if the biggest-name guys step up, Stanford, and start speaking out against this, it'll be real interesting. Now, speaking of that, Tom Brady, yes, that Tom Brady, jumped on an NFLPA call today, and uh, Tom Pelissaro says, delivered an impassioned speech imploring fellow players to stand united and have very intense negotiations with coaches on modifying the offseason work rules uh, he actually said uh, the NFL is the only sport, uh, pro sport with overly competitive drills during the offseason. He said, quote, 
There's no effing pro baseball player that's throwing 95 miles an hour in mid-December. That's Tom Brady. <laughs> Man, I love Tom saying that because he's so right. There isn't a, uh, an effing baseball player throwing 90 miles an hour in mid-December. So I, I agree with him completely on that. I've always thought that the stringent off-season workout schedule is, is something that needs to be addressed uh, from the NFLPA to the league and things like that because if we're talking about OTAs, we're talking about that minicamp for two to three days, the mandatory minicamp, okay, you know what, that's actually playing football. Receivers are in corners, O-line, D-line, the quarterback is getting his timing down with the receivers, things like that. Most players don't have much of an issue with, like, the OTAs because they're pretty fun and they're you're, you're in and out. You're in, you're in the building by maybe 9 o'clock, 8.30, something like that. You're done by noon. 12.30, whatever. It's the off-season workouts where you're just literally running and lifting. Yeah. That's the thing that's the most tenuous. That's just like, it's like, come on. i got to fly all the way from Texas to where <laughs> it's warm right now to the Bay Area where it's like 60 degrees, 65 degrees, all so I can run and lift. Also, you can see me physically, tangibly, and think that, okay, you know what, he's in the building, so we know that he's not off in Siberia somewhere, or just completely just uh, not worrying about football, letting his body go, things like that. It's definitely got a controlling aspect as to why teams want to have you under their thumb for so long during the offseason. So I'm right there with Tom Brady. It's something that definitely needs to be addressed in the next uh, collective bargaining agreement. Stanford Route Football Insider on Fridays with Cofield and company, former Oakland Raider. All right, let's go through the draft to uh, uh, review a couple of points. I thought this was really interesting in a story I was reading this morning claiming that the, uh, the Eagles might have missed a chance here. You know, they were at number 12. They traded up to number 10 to get Devontae Smith. Then we see the 12th pick uh, wind up going – or no, the 11th pick wind up going to uh, the Bears to take Justin Fields. And, and a writer brought up the fact that why didn't, why didn't the Eagles just move back they could have moved back, let the Bears take if, you know, the Eagles weren't going to take a quarterback. Let the Eagles, or let the Bears take fields, get all those Bears picks, and then going into next year, they would have four first-round picks, and then guess who would be in the running to potentially trade for Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers? The Eagles. Good point. I would, I would agree with you if we're talking about maybe Russell Wilson. For Aaron Rodgers, I'm still not sure that he's going to be traded. We all know the reports of him being very disgruntled. We all know that. It just seems like I just have a hard time seeing Aaron Rodgers in a different color jersey. I don't know. Maybe that's just me being a homer, 05 draft class. I don't know. As far as Russell Wilson, yes. But I think for the Philadelphia Eagles, they're probably looking at it from the standpoint of, is it likely that either one of those guys is actually going to be made truly available by the team that they're on? So let's go ahead. We, we are void of weapons on the edges. That's why the Philadelphia Eagles want to make sure to go ahead and get a receiver in the draft. So they figured, you know what, let's attack this need of what's available in front of us right now, and then we'll worry about that pipe dream. We'll worry about that possibility or the hypotheticals next year if uh, if said quarterback should actually be made truly available. Bradshaw against Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is weak. What do you think of Terry Bradshaw? Uh, because I was a fan of the Steel Curtain, Terry Bradshaw, the Pittsburgh Steelers, that really that, that, that rubbed me 
Oh, that rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. It did. And I understand where Terry Bradshaw is coming from. I understand it. I don't agree with it because as great as Terry Bradshaw was, he was a product of the Steel Curtain. He was a product of uh, Chuck Noll. He was a product of Franco Harris and Lynn Swan and all of those guys. Aaron Rodgers, if you take him off of the Green Bay Packers, what are the Green Bay Packers? Are they even watchable? Not even close. So it's a completely different dynamic. Not only, also just the eras. Like he played, Terry Bradshaw played in an era where they didn't throw the ball that much. It was built on run game, defense, things like that. Now you, Aaron Rodgers over here throwing like 48 touchdowns to what, five interceptions? So much, much different situations as far as uh, those two quarterbacks on their respective teams. I did not like. Terry Bradshaw coming after Aaron Rodgers the way he did. I get why he may disagree at Aaron Rodgers' gripes. I understand that. Right. I mean, but, but once again, nobody likes to see someone walk in the door that their employer just hired to eventually take their job. Nobody likes that. Steve, right. I, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't like it. So I think that uh, when you look at it from that standpoint, for Terry Bradshaw, you got to be a little bit more understanding, a little bit more realistic that now in this, in this day and age, in the media, we're now able to see and hear of players' feelings, things like that more, rather than it was 40 years ago if it wasn't something that was like a very explosive that a player did. You much didn't hear about it. Last one, Stanford. What do you think of the Texans? Uh, you're in Houston. You're a Houston guy. What do you think of the Texans using their first pick in the draft, the third-round pick on a quarterback? Davis Mills, and I'm not even talking about Mills specifically, but why take a quarterback? Is this handwriting on the wall uh, that Watson is not going to be playing? Well, I mean, let's go ahead and look at the offseason all the way starting back to January. You got Deshaun Watson. He says that he's very upset with how the organization is handling the GM search, the head coach search. He was not a part of it, things like that. That was much to his dismay. It drew a lot of ire from him. And then, bam, we come to March. And then all of a sudden, that's when we see the sexual assault allegations from the massages and things like that coming out. So I think for the Houston Texans, they're pretty much sitting on their hands, kind of like how everybody else is from the standpoint of, we don't know how this is going to play out. The kid has already said that he doesn't want to play for us anymore. He wants to be traded. And then now we have this sexual assault situation where, for all we know, Deshaun may be on the commissioner's exempt list all of 2021. So this right here is the Houston Texans basically covering their bases. They're making sure that they're not in some way uh, st- stuck holding the grenade or just winding up empty-handed for either Deshaun Watson no longer being a Houston Texan, no longer being on the roster, or if he still is a Houston Texan, technically, but he's not able to play because he's on the commissioner exemplary because all of these legal uh, situations have to go ahead and play themselves out, whether it's in court, civil court, what have you. The Texans are just simply making sure that they are not left empty-handed come September when uh, when the ball is kicked off. Stanford, as always, that was awesome. Have a good weekend. All right, you guys be good. I'll talk to you next week. There he is, Stanford Rout. Played for the Oakland Raiders, Chiefs. He was a high-level sprinter, 200 specialist. Ran a 4.27 in the 40 at the combine. Guy acts like six, everybody six, runs track. Six, one and a half, 195. He got you there. He's like, you clearly don't run track. You idiots. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, sorry. Well, everybody was just running track. Well, 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 you, you asked the question because you didn't know. Right. But I guess your question was so laughable. <laughs> I'm never coming on with Stanford again. That's it. Banned. We gotta, now we have a rift on this show. That's right. Now we got to massage all the egos on the show with our guests and our, our company. Ah, oh, man, we got 
So much drama here. All right, I think we're going to go high drama during the fat pack. It's the final fat pack of the week. It's our food-based, culinary-based discussion. Uh, we got a great list of hot dogs to choose from. we got to pick yeah. your favorite dog, and these things are pretty elaborate. We know uh, Mr. Plain Jane is on the other end back in our Finley Toyota studios, so I'm sure Ari's out on this one. But I, I, got some, I got some hardcore opinions. I'm ready to freaking throw down over some hot dogs. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for tasting, and there's Cadillacs all shiny and new. Gotta move, cause time is a wasting. There's such All right, Fat Pack on. Our food discussion can't really can be anything. Yesterday we talked about, or two days ago we talked about relationships and who's making dinner and who's not, and when you can ask what's for dinner and all that. So, mm. lots of stuff to get to, John. Lots of stuff to get to. It's it's endless. It's endless. The fat pack stories. It's brought to you by Nova Home Loans. A uh, good tweet early in the week on hot dogs and different kinds of hot dogs around the country, around the world. I'm going to read the hot dogs to you. You tell me if you're in or out. Try not to be in on uh, 15 of them. Okay. We can get this thing down to a, a small list, very small list. New York dog. Out. Hot dog, mustard, sauerkraut, onion sauce. Out. Write down what you're in on, okay? Okay. So I got to read. I can't write at the same time. Seattle dog, bratwurst, cream cheese, raw jalapenos, chopped cabbage, sriracha. Can I make an adjustment? Can I take out the cream cheese? If I can take out the cream cheese, I'm in. Nope. Dog right, as out. is. Out. Okay. I figured. Sonora, bacon wrap hot dog, split soft roll, relish tomatoes, onions, avocado chunks, and mayonnaise. Out. Really? It's the relish. You're an embarrassment to your people. It's the relish, though. Well, my people don't like relish. Okay. Tijuana dog, bacon wrap dog, grilled sliced peppers, onions, jalapenos, squishy white bun. In. All right, so Tijuana's the first one in. Dodger dog, foot long, ketchup, mustard, chopped onions, relish. Out. Doyer dog. Doyers. Foot long. Mustard, nacho cheese. Pickled jalapenos. Salsa. In. Oh, really? Okay. Korea dog. Corn dog coated with crinkle cut fries and fried on a stick with ketchup. In. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. Columbia. This is a vast hot dog list. We're yeah. trying to get to a top choice for John. Ari's not involved. He won't eat hot dogs of any sort. Moron. Columbia dog. Hot dog in a bun. Ketchup, mustard, mayo, pineapple, crushed potato chips. Boiled quail egg. Speared on top. Out. No. Okay. It's like somebody just kept like, more, more, more. Japan. Throw a, a quail a, egg a, on it. A Japan. A hot dog sliced to look like an octopus, fried and served as part of a bento box. In. Okay. So, so far, what do you, what do you, you have Japan, Doyer Dog? Korea and Tijuana. Okay. I watch a lot of anime, so the Japan Dog is very, very popular. Germany, no bun. Frankfurter, sauerkraut, potato salad, mustard. Out. Carolina Dog. Hot dog in a bun with chili, chopped onions, and coleslaw. Out. I agree. Coleslaw Montre- Montreal. New England-style bun. I like those buns. What does all dressed mean? We have to look it up. Okay. It looks like it's got a lot on it. Chopped onion and cabbage, mustard, steamed hot dog. Steamed hot dog. Out. 
Michigan dog. Hot dog in a bun, tomato-based meat, chili sauce, mustard. Out. Italian. This would be popular in parts of New Jersey. Deep-fried hot dog, Italian roll, bell peppers, onions, french fries, ketchup, mustard. Out. Wow. You are tough. You are tough. Well, there's, well, there's like, I love this list, though. I would take, like, all these, there's one, like, thing I would just, like, take out of the dog. It would right. make it edible for me. But, like, the french fries it, are it, too it, much. It's as me. is. Right. Uh, Coney dog, short hot dog and a short bun with chili, chopped onions, and a pile of finely shredded cheddar. In. You better be in. Just like a classic, yeah, yeah, chili dog. Chicago dog, another classic. In. Poppy seed bun, pickle spear, celery salt, tomatoes. Oh, I almost said whale pickled peppers. <laughs> <laughs> Whole pickled peppers, chopped onions, neon green relish, mustard. I agree in on that one. Bagel dog, it's wrapped in a bagel. In. Okay. And the Kansas City dog. I, I didn't even know this existed. Sesame seed bun, sauerkraut, melted Swiss. Ow. All right. I'm down to seven. So, pick it. What's your best one? What do you have to take out? Why are you being special order guy? Well, I, like, I'm not like, so like, for example, like the French fries, just too much. You know what I mean? Quail egg, what the hell is that? Right? Like little things like that I think are a little too much. So, if I am picking one out of all of these, I'm going to go Chicago mainly because it's the only one that I've actually had. The, all, the others just sound good. You can make all these at home. Are you going to start making hot dogs at home? Sure. I'll try it. I mean, New York dog is a classic. I know the taste of the Chicago dog, though. Yeah, I like the Chicago dog. It's good. So I'll go with that one. But I would pick the Coney over all of them because of that stupid love affair I have with the restaurant will never be here, Mm. the uh, Cincinnati Chili Place Skyline and Gold Star and whatever others they have. I also don't. And and obviously the Coney comes from Detroit as well. You have uh, have Coney down at the D. I also don't like um, sauerkraut. Oh, you don't? Yeah, I don't like sauerkraut. I love sauerkraut. Yeah. I think I like the sauerkraut sometimes more than the hot dog. Really? Yeah, I'm Love not it. a big fan. Like I would do the German, I'd do the German deal. No bun, carb, yeah. low carbs. There, there you go. go. That's a yeah. di- it's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I picked the healthiest dog. <laughs> and of course, once in your life, you have to do the octopus. The Japan dog. Yeah, it's not a real. It's not an octopus. I can make it's that. Made, yeah. made to look, you're gonna make an octopus. I can make that at home for sure. That's easy. <laughs> They're all good. There's really the Korea dog sounds great. What's What's the one that you hated the most? The quail egg. Yeah. Because that's just too much. I don't like, you know, the potato chips on that is annoying. Right. Every other dog, though, like, I, w- I do the cream cheese dog. Yes, yeah, you like that one? I would just take I, out the cream cheese. Cream cheese and cabbage, I would do that. Uh, I would try, I'd try all these. I'm a hot dog junkie. I'm not a hot dog junkie. Oh, We've junkie. had this conversation before. I like hot dogs, but, like, if it's the barbecue, I will always choose burger. There's rarely a time where I will, where hot dog will be my first choice, unless it's a corn dog, because then corn dogs are game changers. And Ari, there's no, there's no replacement dog tasting tube meat thing. Any nothing that you will eat. Tube meat thing. Tube, tube. Oh yeah, tube, no. Meat tube. No, I'm glad you dis- tube steak. specified that. No, there's absolutely no. I'm not Why interested not? in any. It's just I'm not interested in hot dogs. I never understood. No, the I'm logic. saying a kind of hot dog that would be healthier. Yeah, no, just the whole premise of of how it's prepared and everything. I'm just not. It's just like turkey bacon. I don't like turkey bacon. Oh. I probably wouldn't want a turkey hot dog either. I'm going to have to send out. I've been getting a lot of guff over my uh, my twisty bacon. A lot of guff. You didn't see the twisty bacon? No. Let me look. Oh, I got the twisty bacon thing from uh, TikTok. Okay. I'll show you a picture. I made a uh, – I think it works best with regular bacon. But I did it with turkey bacon this morning. What is that? Damn good. So you just twist the bacon? You, you, you twist it up, and what you, you bake it. You put it in to an oven at, like, 400. Now, you got to be careful. It'll burn quick. But because it's it's consolidated, you, you kind of – you're able to crisp up the fat, yeah, and it squeezes a lot of the uh, 
the grease out of it. Mm. It's good. You can't overcook it though. It turns into then it turns into as uh, Brady, one of our content providers, one of our listeners, you know, turns into a doggy treat. Right. Yeah, I knew oven baking your like putting your bacon in the oven was a, one good, of the healthier man. routes, but I didn't know about twisting oh, it up. And I don't know that I'm I'm trying to be healthy with any of this. And it yeah. actually it actually really cooks it well because bacon can be super inconsistent. Some people don't and some people don't know how to make it. Oh, I can make bacon. Bacon's dope. Here is it. There's a picture of my, my turkey bacon. I was looking at it. Did I post it somewhere? Oh, your turkey oh, that's a new bacon. Picture. You posted that. your normal. Turkey bacon's different. The turkey bacon's not as like fatty and greasy as regular bacon. So, uh, but sometimes it can be really rubbery. Sometimes it doesn't cook the right way. This, this cooked it perfectly. You gotta like, you gotta really cook your turkey bacon to get it crispy. All right. I still have these guys coming at me. Uh, Judge Dan, who's on our legal podcast, mm-hmm. mocking me for what? For the twisty bacon. Like, dude, don't cook don't, it like don't. a man. Yeah, cook it, cook it like a man. Where's the men? Where's the men? Uh, twisty bacon. Let's do it. Start the chant. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. One more follow-up on the on the fat pack and how finicky Ari is. We were talking hot dogs, and he's like, I will not eat hot dogs. Nothing. Not even, like, hot dog alternative, nothing. Ari, if I, like, tonight, here, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make some ground turkey, right? Make sure you check on the kennel first. But I but I spice it up a little bit, okay? I put a lot of ingredients in. I use uh, red, white, and black pepper, some garlic, some coriander, some cinnamon, some cumin, nutmeg, paprika, and allspice. Fry it up, and it's, it's delicious, and it's healthy. Would you try that? It sounds, sounds pretty good, right? I don't know if this is some kind of trick question, but... Give me the seasonings again? Yes. I'm going to, real quick before you give them, yeah. That sounds like a nice meatball, turkey meatball. Right. Not a hot dog. Lots of pepper, black, red, and white pepper, garlic, coriander, cinnamon, cumin, nutmeg, paprika, and allspice. Pass on the cinnamon, if possible, but yeah, I'd eat that. The cinnamon doesn't taste as strong as you think it does. Right. You can almost never taste it. Right. I believe it. So yeah, I'll take that. I'll try it. What kind of okay. sauce is it? Is well, it good? Good. I'm going to bring it in then, and you're going to try it. Wait a minute. <laughs> what is it with marinara or some no. disgusting bolognese? No, you're going to try the turkey meat. meat. There's no. There's no sauce. It's, it's all the different spices in turkey. Okay. Let's do right. it. I just okay. thought it was a meatball or something. I'll so. just tell you. You know what it's going to taste like? A hot dog. Is that, where you, is that uh, what? A hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> That's all the spices in a hot dog. Wow. And I shouldn't have told you. I should have just brought it in, and I'm sure you'd be like, that's pretty good. What other things are in a hot dog usually? I don't think cinnamon and it's, all that. I, every I'm, hot what dog. I'm, you're not listening to me. There are things that taste like hot dogs, like alternate alternative meats and like veggie dogs. They have a hot dog taste, but they're not the, as you describe it, the gross mix of, you know, chicken beaks and, you know, cow nuts. Okay, putting that aside, though, I still i am not like a big fan of the taste anyway. Uh, oh so boy! Same, same as bacon. Just can't get him. You yeah. bologna? No, he doesn't eat bologna. I'm consistent. No. Like it's the same thing with bacon. Yeah. I don't like the taste of the smoky whatever. So even if it's turkey, I'm just what? not interested. Right. Well, we're gonna keep trying. I, I'll keep trying. How's that? We're gonna keep trying. John. We'll start with that with the turkey meatball thing. John, have you bet the Chiefs' season win total over? It's a lock. It's twelve and a half. I don't know if it's a lock. It's a lock. How is it a lock? Um, have you not followed Andy Reid? You ready? Let me give you his his win total results. Since he took over the Chiefs in 2013. Okay. Over, 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 over. 
Cool. He's gone over every single year. This is the highest total ever, but it's also the most games ever, 17. Over. Got to win. He's got to go 13 and 4 to minimum. Over 12 and a half. Let's go. Lock. I'll pass. I'll go under, actually. Really? He's due. I mean, well, it's not even that he's due. <laughs> uh, there's no value in you know, numbers like that because it's inflated. You're paying a price already. On top of that, what happens if Aaron Rodgers goes to the division? Oh, wow. But I feel like we've said this every year about the Chiefs, and they keep going over. Right, but that doesn't – just because it goes over 20 years in a row doesn't mean the next year it's going to go over. What's going on with uh, NFC North betting? Is there a team now that you're fired up about after the draft? Well, actually, I like this team regardless of what's happening with the Green Bay Packers, but Packers are $1.90 favored over William Hill to uh, to win the division. Vikings are plus 360, Bears 4-1, to Lions 25-1. to I like I like the Vikings, man. Like, I like the way they're built. They went young on defense last year. They went through some growing pains, but they're adding some, they added some pieces in the offseason and in the draft. Their offensive line's better. They have one of the better offenses in the league. Kirk Cousins, I think, is a top half of the league quarterback with one of the top-tier running games and running backs in the NFL. Vikings win the division. Let's go. Even if A-Rod's there, winner. Uh, Lakers tonight try to play out of the seven spot. They're tied with the Blazers. They're at the Blazers. No LeBron. Where are the odds right now for the title on the Lakers? Ooh, I'll pull this up for you right now, actually. Let's see, well, it depends. Are, are we up to 5-1 to one now? Well, it depends on where you look. Like, some spots that have a lot of liability, right? Yeah. Uh, we're talking about, like, in the range of still, like, 3-1, to one, something like that. Let's see. The book I just referenced, plus 225 on the Lakers. Plus Will, 225. Will Hill, right. But that's, again, a book that has a lot of liability okay. on the Los Angeles. Because I think we, we talked about Circa the other day, and it was somewhere, like, plus 425, and the no was minus 580. Right. And, then you know, the Westgate's in that range right now. I think over in the um, over on the East Coast, you're talking about the Lakers. Some spots, uh, we'll call it, I got it, 4-1 to one over at FanDuel DraftKings in that All range. Right. All right. So they're going to be there. I mean, you can't, again, like futures aren't really always indicative of like what the true odds are, especially a team like the Lakers. You can only go so high on the odds before you start taking money back because they're a public team, and then you set yourself up for a little bit of risk. I have no idea what's going to happen in the East. You know, there are teams that I, we think are good, but they just, you know, they're not flowing well going to the playoffs. What if I jump on a team like the Hawks? Playing well, can score. Any chance? I think there's a chance that they're like a really big Who's team in the Who's with me? Hawks, 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 Hawks. One person is. Anyone? One person is. Who? There has been a, uh, a group or a person that is going around and betting the Hawks' futures. Westgate took a $5,000 bet. Really? Yeah. Um, All right. To win For the Hawks to win the title. Let's see. DraftKings in Colorado, Tuesday, $20,000 on the Hawks to win the title at 101. Same better placed 20000 on Atlanta to win the Eastern Conference at 40 to 1. And then that Westgate number that I referenced, five thousand dollar bet Wednesday at eighty to one. Now I did text Jeff Sherman about this, and by the way, we've never really promoted it on the show, Steve. But I do have an NBA podcast, Hardwood Handicappers. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And we mentioned it on there uh, that the bettor who was going around and betting this just new players, not really respected money. It could be the same people, DraftKings, MGM, Circa also took bets on the Hawks. So looks like it's a. a Relatively newer player, or at least not insanely respected player, going around betting the Hawks. Big five and fives on the way. We're going to talk about, uh, man, the, the, the revolutionary. Look at this guy. Leader of men in the NFL. Tom Brady is pissed at the teams for this offseason workout nonsense. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. Live at the Golden Circle Sports Bar inside TI.